Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A professional body contortionist. That is what I refer to John Morant as. Because holy bleepin' effin' whatever expletive you have. What a dunk over Malik Beasley. What a game-winning layup. It's a little easy because Anthony Edwards took a gamble that he definitely regretted. And it led to a 3-2 series lead for the number two-seeded Memphis Grizzlies as that series heads back to Minnesota on Friday night. Mikel Bridges, Mikel Bridges, Mikel Bridges. Oh my goodness, what a game. 24 points in the second half. Pelicans are still battling, man. They're still battling. But the Suns got a much-needed boost out of their amazing third-year forward. Mikel, the numbers of guarding C.J. McCollum, one of nine, three points. Brandon Ingram, one of five, two points. Devontae Graham, 0 for 2. Jonas Valanciunas, He had one bucket. Four blocks. Steals. Pull-up jumpers. Transition buckets. Three balls. Cutting. Mikel Bridges did it all. In the series, according to ESPN Stats and Info, New Orleans shooting 36% for the floor and has turned the ball over 12 times when Mikel Bridges is defending them. That's what you call a star in the making. And boy, they needed it with Devin Booker's sign line. But that series is now 3-2 to two in favor of the favorites, the top overall seed in the league. And then, of course, we had the Miami Heat on Tuesday night closing things out. Despite the greatest efforts of DeAndre Hunter, got screwed by a terrible, terrible foul call and had to watch from the end of the bench as the Hawks inbounded the ball to the corner for Danilo Gallinari to sit there and get trapped. Didn't even get a shot off. But the heroics of Victor Oladipo, another great part of this this story of the postseason, wasn't even in the rotation to start the year. Start the postseason, I should say. And huge, huge 23-point effort. First time since August 2020 that he's done that in the playoffs. Sends the heat to the second round. And they're going to be awaiting another winner of the 4-5 series, of course. So, got a lot to talk about, Brian. I know that was a little elongated introduction. 
but a lot of fun, a lot of really, really enticing playoff series. We've got six remaining. As we know, Boston swept the Nets. Sure, we're going to get into that. Got a couple other ones that are pretty much almost on ice. Bucks looks to, looking to close it out at home against the Bulls on Wednesday night. Same thing for the Warriors and the Nuggets. Shout out to Denver for not rolling over on their, their backs in game four. Big time performance from Bones Highland. Really fun to watch that. But as we record this on a Wednesday afternoon, we're probably going to be about halfway through the first round by the time we record next week. Has anybody been able to get Malik Beasley out of the ground because he got put six feet under by John Morant? Oh, poor Malik. Malik, (laughs) I, I, I was telling you before we started recording this, man, I hope Malik comes out and just drops 25 in game six off the bench and just makes everybody forget about that moment. Here's you know, the thing, I, I see a lot of people I see a lot of people calling that a charge and even, even if so like and it's a momentum changing play I get it. But when you look at it back it's not like there was like this huge impact and like Jaw was out of control. He like leaped him. He leaped him and is like because he leaped him yes his knee was like at that level but like I don't think that's a charge. I don't go after guys who are getting posterized if they're trying to draw a charge or they're trying to block a shot, that's what you're supposed to do. And guess what? There's going to be times where somebody is just so freakishly athletic, they're going to posterize you. What John Moran did though was incredible because of his size and also where he took off from. He didn't take off from, you know, the solid line. He took off from the broken line. That's part of like just inside the free throws. He was that far away when he took off. And he cocked that thing back and just put it down. Unbelievable. Went right through Beasley in the process. That was incredible. And it was, that was a, a momentum changer. And, you know, that game was just so wild. It was so emblematic of that entire series so far because in the first half, both teams had double-digit leads only to give them back. And it looked like the Timberwolves were in control following the third quarter. And you even had... Carl Anthony Towns hitting a three and telling the crowd to shut up and everything. And look out, here come the Grizz. And they were able to close it out down the stretch by a couple of really bad plays, bad decisions by the T-Wolves and some great plays, you know, by the Grizzlies. You know, Morant hit a three after he'd been struggling all game um, and obviously had the game winner at the end. But you mentioned... Um, Ant-Man going for the steal, which I don't know why he tried to do that and allowed Morant to get by him and get to the bucket. But in the possession before that, where D'Angelo Williams, for whatever reason, decided to go one-on-one and take a horrible shot where he missed the rim. If you look at that, you knew that he was going to go one-on-one and not pass that just in the body language of everybody else. Because Anthony Williams literally put his head down and started walking away, not even looking at the play. Because he knew he was not going to touch the ball in that possession. <laughs> yeah. But but the thing is, on the next time they got the ball, they ran a play for him. And he gets a corner three and drills it. And it was an awesome play. Oh, my um, gosh, dude. Yes. When, when Chris Finch designed that thing, you had the dribble handoff. And then Jordan McLaughlin ends up going into the, the inside of the perimeter. Beautiful, beautiful bounce pass to the corner to Anthony Edwards for that three. Oof. Yeah. I mean, I mean... 
to trust a guy that's 20 years old in his second year to take that big of a shot. And he has no problem doing it. Yep. Um, I mean, he should have been getting the ball every time down the court for like the last four minutes of that Don't game. Don't forget, too, I mean, Cat dribbled it off his foot, too, that to happened, give them yep. a look going the other way. That, that's, that's the thing about this this series, Brian. Like, it, It's an incredibly young series. You can just tell. One, by the fact that the Wolves have held double-digit leads going into the fourth quarter twice and have lost both games. Um, two, though, is that these teams are turning it over to one each other. They're giving the ball to each other uh, almost constantly. So you can't ever say that this game's a wrap because you, you never know who's going to make a poor decision. Not that I would it know what like the it's feeling a lot. Yeah, not that I would necessarily know what the feeling is. Um, and I'm just speaking on this from all what we see in, in movies and stuff. But it's like both teams are on cocaine. I mean, they're both just like all over the place. Like, you know, wild stuff. It's is frenetic. Happening. It's frenetic. It's you know, it never, it never, it never like calms down. You think like, all right, we're going to get in a groove. You know, and stuff. It's just all over the place. It's like, what's going on here, man? Just crazy My favorite, stuff. though, is that, you know, they get this offensive, you know, flow going and um, a big time stop at one end. And then you think that someone has a transition bucket the other way. And then one of the other athletic athletic as hell players goes and blocks it off the rim or, or off the backboard. And like it's just like it's almost like college like. The it atmosphere is in a way. There's bodies flying everywhere and every play. It's not like just one guy goes down. It's like multiple people have gone down and then they're like race to the other end, you know? And and like you said, there's there's crazy block shots and just wild attempts. Guys going like one on four on fast breaks, you know, just weird decisions. But it's it's entertaining as hell. It is. It is. And it's just kind of showcasing the future of the league in a way. Um, special shout out to Brandon Clark, by the way, as we talked about last week when Steven Adams was booted from the lineup, what a night for him. You'd mentioned that John Morant three that he made when he didn't make one before that. That doesn't happen if Brandon Clark doesn't laser tip it back off of an offensive rebound. Yeah. And he had nine of those in game five. He was crashing the glass like crazy. He was getting perfectly, you know, those, those beautiful like looks at the, at the rim, um, some of them being set up, some of them, you know, he's doing on his own because he was doing cleanup duty. Uh, I thought that Memphis got a big lift in the first half from Desmond Bain when they needed guys to make shots. Uh, despite not being able to find the bottom of the rim all night long, Dylan Brooks, I thought, was actually pretty decent uh, on the defensive end and uh, just being that kind of bigger physical body. Tyus Jones. By the way, made a really boneheaded th three turnovers. I might that might be a career high <laughs> for him. The way that he takes care of the basketball, and he made one of those those um, you know rather uh, you know not so smart decisions last night. But I love that they closed with the three guard lineup, and the, the Grizzlies have not done that before. They went with Ja, Tyus, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, and Brandon Clark. That's how they kept Brandon Clark on the floor. Um, Kyle Anderson continues to you know give them some consistent minutes this this whole series as well um so i think that that was really important for them to close with the lineup like that because you know you might have to sacrifice a little on the defensive end in order to get some guys to make some shots because they couldn't find pretty much this entire series they haven't been able to find the mark from deep unless someone's gotten hot yeah so team wide to do that and close 
with the smaller lineup, I think is a good way to go. So now the Grizzlies have the three, two lead in a series where it feels like just a couple of plays could have the series already over. The Wolves should be winning this series yes. for all I intents mean, and purposes. Th- it could be the other way around. It, the series could be over, but instead we're going to Minnesota for a game six and maybe uh, back to Memphis for a game seven. I mean, I don't I, think it's a maybe. I think it is. I, I think it's an is. And I, this is so crazy. Not, I'm sorry to interrupt. No. Um, but, you know, I, I'm looking at the Wolves and Cat – you know, tremendous last couple of games. He obviously came up short um, in game five, but he did make a huge go-ahead three um, to put the team up. And then, you know, he's silencing the crowd. He did it twice in the fourth quarter. Maybe he learns a little lesson to, to you know, maybe not uh, agitate the crowd before the clock hits zero. He's done it two or three times in this series already. Uh, and he gets a little bit cocky, which I'm all for. I'm all for, but you got to be able to make sure you get the result when you do that. Um, but Cat was tremendous in game four. He got to the line. He was aggressive. I think he had 33 and 15. But he has some dumb fouls, effort. though. He has some really, really dumb he can. fouls. Yeah, no, he can. Um, and, so, and, and same he with can Triple be J. Out of control. He can yeah. go out of control on the offensive end, too. Sometimes he'll lower his shoulder, and he'll get uh, charges drawn against him. And that yeah. that's, that's big time. But he's got to be able to... Take advantage of guys that are smaller than him. Um, I, I really think use that. this series is going to swing on. Can a team get hot at the right time deep? And who makes less mistakes? Because we've seen both teams, you know, have careless turnovers, make bad decisions on offense or even on defense. So it's, it, it's just kind of all over the place. And I don't know what to expect because we can sit here and say, this feels like it's going to go seven. I don't know. I mean, it easily could, and I think anything could happen then, but I think anything could happen in a game six because of what we've seen so far and just how crazy this series has been. Yeah, how many leads can you give up before, you know, that you figure out not to give up the lead? <laughs> all, all it takes is finally for the Grizzlies who have been cold from deep, like you said, this series, to finally put a game together. Yeah, and if they, and they I mean, did that, then they could close it out. Honestly, they were getting good looks the whole yes. first half, uh, you know, even the third quarter, like... Dylan Brooks legitimately like got really good looks the whole game. But so did John of 18 from the field. He just couldn't hit anything. Jaw could. Yeah. Jaw couldn't find the bottom of, of the net at all. Like it was bad. Like honestly, the, the play that, that got that run going was after a no call when Pat Bev got shoved out of bounds by jaw going for a loose ball. And that possession was one where Brandon Clark had a little floater and then it kind of got things going off to the races. And a lot of Wolf fans are looking at that. They're looking at the the dunk that, you know, they're calling a charge. But it, I, I I think that the Wolves should be up 3-2 in this series at a, at a minimum. But um, that just shows you how tight the series is and how much does. every play matters. Because yeah. they're down 3-2. And, I mean, they get to go home, you know, but... They've Another got a game for Jordan McLaughlin coming in. He, was, he was huge in game four. <laughs> he, he closed that. He closed out too. uh, uh, game five. They have a lot of, a lot of trust in that, that dude. And we'll see, you know, with the, the lineups that Chris Finch goes with, um, they, you know, I think Torian Prince could have a, a decent game in a game six. Cause he's kind of trying to start to find the feel a little bit. Um, they really need Beasley, D'Angelo like said, Williams to 
calm it down a little bit and Russell, not Brian, try to Russell. do too much. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I don't know why. You're in Carolina. Like, You're in Carolina. It's fine. I got something <laughs> on my mind here. But yeah, D'Angelo Russell, it's just like, dude, do not try to do too much. Just don't yeah. turn the ball. That over. shot don't at make the mistakes, end of the game. Oh. That was so horrible. It was but it's bad. just like, man, just, just guide the team and don't turn the ball over and get people involved and just make do the simple things. Just do the little things. That's all we need from you, man. I agree. And I and, and I know that uh, you know he you know might have had you know some struggles or whatever, and he might not have been in the rotation as much, but. I want to see more Nas Reed. I want to see more Nas Reed uh, out there on the floor. Maybe even try him with Cat. Just thinking outside of the box a little bit here. Um, Why not? Somebody who can stretch the he can stretch the floor. I know he's not a great rebounder, but he can stretch the floor. He offers you size, and he can play defense. Well, look at what Phoenix did last night. I mean, they were they went to the um, uh, the two bigs with the Javale and Aiden. Sure. And they, they tried that for a stretch. They're just trying different stuff. And I know it's kind of, you talk about, wow, it's late in the series to try different stuff. But maybe, I mean, you maybe just try it for a couple of minutes. That's a kink you got to try when, yeah, I mean, exactly. especially when your back's against the wall. And that's yeah. a really good transition, by the way, to yeah. the to the Suns Pelican series. Man, that was fun. Uh, I, honestly, you look at the final and you're like, ah, you know, Suns took care of business. But the, the Pels were within this thing for about, I mean, they were, constantly down 12 to 14 throughout this game, but they got it down to seven despite not great games from Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. As far as the offensive end of the floor goes, their defensive efforts kept them in this. And they, they made Phoenix Jose work. Alvarado. Yeah. Oh, Jose Alvarado again. Forced two, eight second calls on in two games. Chris Paul. It's crazy. Like the only game that Phoenix has had in hand was game one. Yeah. Outside of that, they have had to work for the other two wins see that they've Chris gotten. Chris Paul huffing and puffing out there? It's it's incredible. And I know we can sit and go, they don't have Devin Booker. And obviously that that's a big, you know, you know, not having him. But at the same time, this is a Phoenix team that went part of the season without Booker. They went part of the season without CP3. They won games. And they are, you know, having trouble in these games. Like, you know, they're they're up and they could close it out, you know, in game six, but man. They've had to work a lot harder than I think anybody expected. Got so many kudos to to Willie Green, man. Like if you're listening to these huddles and the way that he's speaking to his players, and you know what? It's on Thomas had a great article for us on basketballnews.com just talking about basically how this team is being underappreciated and under underrated and no one believes in them. And he spoke to Antonio Daniels, a former teammate of his, it's the Pelicans color analyst. And the, the the whole conversation is outstanding, but it just goes back to Willie Green, how he can relate to these players. Willie Green's been a starter. He's been on the bench. He's been out of the rotation. How can not one player on that team relate to him? Because he's been in their shoes. Um, and they buy what he preaches. And you just listen to, listen to the TNT audio assists when they go into the huddles. I want to run through a wall for that guy. Let's be honest. So that's why the Pelicans are, you know, really locked in the way they are. I mean, I got to give big kudos to to Jonas Valanciunas too. the last couple of games. I thought he was really good after, you know, maybe been talking about um, Larry Nance taking over his minutes at the five or, or more towards a split. Like, I think JV's really has responded well. Um, but I think the Suns just, 
ultimately the Suns have that championship DNA and two um they've played they've played without Booker before they've played without Paul before they know they know how to operate they know when it's winning time uh I think DeAndre Ayton when he is just when he just takes those looks in the mid post he just sizes up his opponent real quick and shoots those mid-rangers he's deadly I think any time that he is not turning down shots he is deadly and it's really tough to defend that and when he gets on the glass and starts these fast breaks we see how fast Mikel Bridges is in the open floor Cam Johnson same thing Jay Crowder is your irritant who can knock down the occasional three he has not knocked down the occasional three in this series but he's still been big for this team on the defensive end, getting steals um, and, and really trying to get in the head of some of these young guys on the Pelicans. They've got a championship team. And uh, you mentioned Booker being out. Evan Sidery caught a uh, video of Booker looking towards the Pelicans bench, walking off the floor in game five and saying, I'm back, I'm back. So who knows? Maybe we see Booker back in game six and Nola maybe, be a closeout game. Maybe. I want to see this one go seven two though. Well, the thing is with Booker, like you never want somebody to come back too soon. And I know it's the playoffs. So guys want to, you know, really make that extra effort. But at the same time, you're up three, two and you can, and you won the last game without Booker. You want to make sure that he's healthy going forward. You know, so we'll see what the decision is going to be, but see, I look at this though. And I'm not trying to slate the Pelicans and give them a lot of credit, but I'm looking at this too because of how hard the Suns have had to work. Chris Paul has had to play a lot of minutes. You know, Mikael Bridges had to come up with a huge effort and play 47 minutes. You know, campaign in, man, what, it, what a job he did in the the first half. If he would have stayed out of foul trouble, he probably would have played more than 12 minutes. But oh, absolutely, he was, he was big time. That that was the campaign we knew last year. But I that but I really wonder like how much is this taking out of Phoenix? You know, in the first round and it's really showing a lot out of Chris Paul. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you need this for the long haul. And like, I'm looking, I mean, all season long, Phoenix was the best team in the league. And, you know, we look at them and going, man, they are on a mission. They are poised. They're going to get back to the finals this year. They can close out. They're going to win it. And they're having trouble in the first round. And sure, you know, everything can change on a different matchup and whatnot. But I look at them and I can see a lot of, you know, chinks in the armor. I can see a lot of trouble here. There's a lot of wear and tear here in the first round. And, you know, the next round, you know, we don't know who they're going to play yet. I think it's going to be Dallas. We'll see. Um, we'll get to that. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, they're going to have to, you know, try to deal with Luca in that group. And, um, I mean, that's going to be a lot of Mikhail Bridges on Luka Doncic if that matchup happens. Yeah. And we'll we'll see. But, like, that's a team that can grind on you, too. Oh, certainly. Certainly. Another good little little transition and then, there. And Dallas then, by the way, on. if you get past that, then there's a good chance you could be playing, you know, the Warriors. Sure, that was a really good that was a really good transition though over to Dallas and Utah. Good God, that game five, the Jazz treated that like a preseason game in October. <laughs> My God, dude, watching that game, I, I I I didn't even get frustrated. I was just like, I I felt nothing. I felt nothing because I just saw. It wasn't just Luka Doncic. Like, it was just everybody on the Mavericks just had more give a F than that team did the whole way. And this is the problem and, that we've seen with Utah for a while. You know, even though they've 
won games in the regular season the last three years. It's when it comes to playoff time and we're seeing it again. You know, I mean, I mean, they got nobody to defend Luca. Not that anybody really does most of the time, but they're putting Bogdanovich on him and he's so gassed he can't even hit a shot at the other end. No. I mean, I've never seen Bogey look that bad. I have Mike Conley, this series has just been just he looks, honestly looks an old. Looks yeah, old. He, he looks really old. Royce O'Neal isn't the same guy that he was even a year or two ago. I, I think Jordan Clarkson was the only one who had any bit of energy in that game. Like, real talk. I think he was the only one that had consistent energy for that game. Uh, you know, I, I can't I, I can't even describe it. It was just that. It was that much of a beatdown. Like, I, I don't know how the Jazz come back from this. And now, you know, they're either not going to have Donovan Mitchell or he's going to be playing but limited because of... Yeah, he's got the quad. He's got the quad injury. And by the mm-hmm. way, he wasn't playing an ounce of defense anyway. And okay, now he's going to yeah. be, you know, on a bad leg. You know, <sighs> so, I mean, this is a team that we looked at saying if they don't get it done here, something's going to change because they've got a new... You know, president of basketball ops and Danny Ainge, they've been together for a little while, and if they flame out here in the first round, man, this team's going to get blown up. And I'm not exactly sure how. They, I don't know if that means Mitchell's on the move or Gobert's on the move or both are on the move or, you know, Quinn Snyder probably be out as head coach. But, I mean, the Jazz are really on the precipice of saying, we're going to do a, a restart here. Dallas's perimeter defense is really good. Um, and they have bodies and length to throw at you. Um, they've got some beefy guys in there. Um, always going to talk about Dorian Finney-Smith. Always going to talk about guys like Reggie Bullock. But to go three of 30 from deep, dude, in a game five, three of 30. Well, it's like you said, they didn't they didn't play hard. That's I mean, it's one thing to not be making shots or doing different things, but like, when you don't see the effort and they laid down the way they did, especially once Luca like went on that. Like, what kind of settling court. are you doing? I mean, I mean that third quarter, Luca broke their spirit. I mean, he put up 19 points in the <laughs> third did. quarter, and he just said, "You guys are done." He put him when down. he went. He has zero fear of Rudy Gobert. I love it. I haven't seen anyone do that. Like going at Rudy Gobert, not not like a guard or point guard. Or I know Luca's not point guard per se he's like more like a point forward but he was literally going in there pump faking he had a a, a pump fake up and under and one on rudy and then he just shook his head he's like oh yeah there's no way this guy's got me there's no way this guy's got me." it it took the mavericks jalen brunson is even doing it better too where he's getting into there rudy's in drop coverage and jalen will just float it over him like their read of the situation is just so good and when you don't have perimeter defenders the way the jazz have not uh, for the entire season, and definitely in the playoffs, that's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, the, the Mavericks, it took them one game to adjust back to Luka. They they lost, you know, that game four, and they damn near Shout won Shout out to the Jazz, by the way, in that game. They were that, down with four with like a that, minute left. and then, that, that was a great back and forth, you know, and Luka hit the big three, and it looked like, oh, my God, it's going to be over, and the Jazz came back. They fought back. Donovan to Rudy, of all things. Yeah, you know, they get the, the alley-oop there for the win, and it's just like, okay, you know, they got a little bit of life. And then they come back in the next game, and 
you know, the Mavericks are like, okay, we've got Luca back and we're going to be back to that style of ball. No problem. We've won without him here in the playoffs. We'll win with him. Luca goes nuts. He breaks their spirit. And the ending shot of that game is Donovan Mitchell hobbling off the court, you know, on one leg because he's hurt again, unfortunately. Um, it looked like he was grabbing his hammy, but I mean, it was. They say it's his quad. Yeah, it's both quads. Yeah. So I'm like, it's nuts. I mean, okay. I mean, I don't know how they were going to do it necessarily following that effort. Um, Clarkson, if he was 100%. Hope I see 35 from you. Well, I mean, guys have got to be. has to score at least 20. I mean, these some, are just things like I'm that. thinking about. But but you know what? I mean, they they, they got to do that and they got to find a way to somehow slow down Dallas a little bit. You know what I'm curious about on the, the this Jesse? I don't know what it is, but why isn't Rudy Gay playing? Like he was a big part of like what they were in like the first half of the season and and when when he was healthy, he was playing about 15 minutes a game. He hasn't seen any of the floor. Wancho, the new guy seeing 18 minutes. Like I mean, even in garbage time is what I'm saying. Like did did, did something happen with Rudy here or like what's what's going on? I don't know. I mean, I know everybody, you know, kind of shortens your rotation and hey, they're at a point now where they got to try something different. So maybe he will get some, some minutes here, but I mean, he was really good for the Spurs last year. I don't see played 55 games for him this year. He's able to at least give you some sort of a scoring threat. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm just a little confused. Not sure. Well, um, they might be working on their tan here pretty soon. And a lot, like yeah. I said, a lot of changes coming to Utah. You know, whether it, whether it happens the next game or they go out in game seven, um, I, I'm just at a point where I just can't see them coming back in this series. I, I, just I will can't. say, I will say um, the Jazz did have some success in the few moments they went to Eric Pascal at the five. They've had success with white side lineups too. So maybe we see a little bit more of that, but like, it's really about... It's about it's about the defense because they're just not they're not defending the three point line and even though the Mavericks didn't shoot very well in that game it still felt like a 10 point lead felt like a 25 point lead there was just zero energy in that so uh, well, they're, yeah, they're, I'm, ca- I'm calling that one in 6 Yeah I mean like you said their perimeter defense is horrible it is horrible it is atrocious I mean and, I'm literally and- screaming at the I'm screaming at the television screen I'm like, somebody go to the corner. And I think we literally can find that clip from last week, too, because that's what they did to him. I well, think. look at the clip that Nikias did. Yeah. Where he was just like, I don't even know what to say about the Jazz anymore. And he, like, literally laid it out going, look at this. There's no defense going on. And he's, like, all befuddled. And he was like, that, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that was after yeah. game three. It was. That was after game three. <laughs> game three. It was just. It's just so it's so difficult to watch like one of the most successful organizations in let's see what five six straight years, yeah, since 2016. Well, like guess just what? go down this way. Well, okay, real quick because I know we don't like just we'll spend 30 seconds on this. Quinn Snyder, Donovan Mitchell, and uh, Rudy Gobert. Which one's back next year? Of those of those three, tell me who's back and who's gone. You don't even have to tell me where they're going to go, but who, who's staying, who's leaving? Go Bears out, Snyder and Donovan stay. 
I would say uh, the other way around, actually. Snyder out, Mitchell out, Gobert stays. Okay. We shall see where it goes. Yeah. We shall see where it goes. By the way, I... I I, I love. I, I, I wanted to just say I love how football is on your mind. The NFL draft yes, is, I is know. Thursday it, night. My, so my head's going. Angelo Williams, Donovan McNabb. I'm, you know, I don't like, know what the hell's going on with me right now with names <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, geez, don't don't ask me to say Giannis's last name. Um, <laughs> but jeez, uh, dude, I, I could I I understand I guess the sportsmanship of it a little bit or whatever, but it's the NBA, it's pro sports. But Utah getting upset that the Knicks were there for game one to scout Mitchell. I, I like, didn't even see that report. Oh That's yeah, they're, like yeah, the Knicks were there <laughs> like to scout him and like like they don't know enough about him already, but we're gonna be here in person for game one and Utah ticked off about it. Jeez. I mean, it's no Hello, secret Utah, the Knicks won him. Julius Randle. <laughs> I know. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> How many picks are involved? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. No, we're almost to that point. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, I know you want to talk about games. So, you know, we're, we're going to talk about games. Let's, hey, games let's, talk, let, let, let's talk about the Sixers and Raptors because this mm-hmm. one's this one's fun to me now. Well, this is hey. fun to me. One reason being, so my friend uh, asked me, he's like, it's 3-0. Joel Embiid's got a bum thumb. We know how Harden's track record is in elimination games. Should I put a small wager down for the Raptors to win this series? And I said, oh, man, 3 is tough. But they do have Scotty back. Scotty Barnes, that is. It's like, well, the Raptors, they do play better at home. Okay. Uh, sure, why not? Sure, why not? Lay it down. Mm. Just, just, just give it a whirl. Lo and behold, after that, one game where the Raptors pretty much outclassed the Sixers in game four. Didn't roll over for a sweep. But then, but then, Philadelphia gets held to under 85 in game five on their own home turf. Without Fred Van Vliet. Um, but here's here's the thing. Or sorry, under 99, under 85. They scored 88. But this is the thing about it. Toronto, it's not even about the offense for me. And even though that is, that is the case, you say without Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, great playmaker. Scotty Barnes, good play connector. Like, they've got guys that can move the basketball. And they get up and down the floor. The way they hurt you is on the defensive end, they get a stop, they get out on the break. They play fast, they're in a good spot. They had eight steals in that game, Brian. That was This is game, game five I'm talking about. This is where the Raptors are dangerous. When they have all those limbs out on you. All those limbs. Siakam, Barnes, Achua, Boucher, Thad Young. This is when it gets difficult. And this is how I thought the series would go the whole time. Because you're seeing... Nobody, and I mean nobody on the Sixers get into the paint. They are not getting into the paint. They're attempting more threes. They're, they can get it to Embiid, but they're they're going really hard at Embiid, and they're going for swipes and whatnot, knowing that he's wounded and knowing that there is an advantage there. The Sixers are getting nothing offensively out of Matisse Thibel. I think that, you know, Tobias has been really consistent in this series. Maxi's struggled the last couple. 
he's not getting, you know, downhill and ahead of steam. Get to the elephant you, in the got, room. Get to the elephant in the room. You've got Doc Rivers saying that they haven't gone to they, they have another they have another level that they can reach. Get to the elephant in the room, Spence. Is this person have some sort of beard? His face is on a milk carton right now. Oh boy, here he goes. Where is James Harden? Where I mean, he disappeared. I mean, he hit I think his first two shots in that game, and then he was gone. And this is what we have to wonder about with Harden because it's not like this is the first time this has happened. I don't even know if he's hot dogging it. I don't. I just don't know if he has the same burst. That that's what I'm saying. I don't think James Harden is the same player that we're used to seeing, even going back to last season. Because even though this, remember. Hurt his hamstring last year. He's out of the playoffs. Beginning of this season, doesn't show up to camp, in shape. Believe there's still a problem with the hamstring, right? So he's not in shape. He's not engaged. All those different behind-the-scenes problems, whatever. But he definitely was not in shape. He's working his way back into shape all year. I don't know how bad the hamstring continued to be. But it looked like he got in better shape, but not in great shape. But the thing that we haven't seen consistently from him all year, and I don't know if it's just a physical thing or what it is, but that burst that you talk about, we're we're not seeing Harden get into the paint and do the things that we always saw him do. He gets by a guy, throws up a floater, he gets the contact, he gets to the free throw line. He's not doing any of that anymore. And I don't know if this is just, I'm hurt, I'm limited, or is it just, this is who James Harden is as a player now and going forward. I, yeah, I know there's a lot of the ton of, you know, expectation on to because of the level he's played out like for the last what decade uh, that it's tough to that's a tough pill to swallow. But I mean, even Embiid saying it like, you know, just need him to be more aggressive. And you look at what Joel Embiid was saying about Simmons last year and you can just literally compare the same quote. It's incredible, and uh, Embiid's going to need that help. He's, he's so gonna frustrated. Some, he's going to need that help because he's got a torn ligament in his thumb. And he he's, he's sitting there through. talking about like him being more aggressive, and they're like, "Can you tell him that?" Like, "Oh, that's for the coach to do." You know, you can already again. tell. He's like, "I don't want to get into this situation where I'm telling a it's player Groundhog Day." It is, and you know, I mean, this is what so many people worried about when it came to Harden, like. Is he changing as a player from that? He can't do the things that he once could just because of age, wear and tear, all these it's different things. It's also a bad matchup, too. That's it, the other thing. Like, there, there it's is also that a horrific as well. matchup. But, I mean, he, he came out of the just game. a bunch of 6'9 dudes. But, I mean, he hit a couple buckets to start the game, and then, boom, he was, he was gone the rest of the game. And then, you know, we have to worry about, like, they have to depend on him so much, and probably even a little bit more so now because Embiid, as dominant as he has been, He's got, like you said, that torn ligament in his thumb, and you have to wonder like, how much that is going to affect him going forward, even if they get out of this series. But um, the rest of the playoffs, like, how is that going to affect him? Uh, so, I mean, it's there's a lot of questions around the Sixers, and these are not just short-term things. These are long-term because you made this big trade to get James Harden thinking he would be the answer. And he is a free agent in the offseason. And while there's not a lot of... Teams that have cap space, who knows who wants to go after them? And even if a team does, or obviously the Sixers want to keep them, what kind of commitment do you make to this guy if you do believe that he's not the player that he once was? There's a ton of questions on it, but when it comes to the series itself, 
hey, I thought I was being gutsy and smart going into this when I picked the Raptors and come to find out a bunch of other people did as well. And after three games, I just put my hands up in the air and I was like, I'm dead wrong. Dead wrong. And it wasn't just because of injuries for the for Toronto. It was Philly was playing great. Yeah. And they opened the door. They left the door open just a little bit. And the Raptors took it in game four at home. And then I was like, ah, that that's just uh they won a game at home. It's an emotional. And you think win. too, because the Sixers, you know, you know, they nail that game winner with like 0.5 left or whatever it was with when Embiid hit that ridiculous oh, yeah. inbound three. So you're like, right? it's over. I mean, they, they yeah, just, you think it's done at that point. They crushed them emotionally. But Toronto, they get the emotional win at home in game four. And I'm like, man, it's going back to Philly. It is over. Not even close. It's it's done. And then Philly looks DOA. They looked they DOA. Stifled them. They stifled them, dude. I, I don't even think it was Philly's fault. I just think the Raptors were that good uh, defensively. I really do. And if let's let's look at this from Toronto's lens. Gary Trent Jr. has finally woken up, right? He's averaging about 21 a game over the last three after scoring nine total in the first two games. And that was because he was hurt. He was he was sick. You know, he had the illness he was dealing with, trying to play through it. But Gary Trent, huge, getting a, a scoring boost out of him. OG Ananobi, huge, been playing great. I love when he's taking the ball off the dribble. He's, you know, he's really, he's kind of hot and cold from three. But when he takes it off the dribble, I think that he has some really nice moves um, with his feet. Precious Achua, Brian. Look at him. Now that he has somewhat a decently respectful jump shot, and this is from our friend Yasmin, um, who you know used to write for us. But she's like, now that Precious has a, a decently respectable jump shot on the outside, he's using that pump fake to get downhill, and he's exploding to that rim. Like, he's had some really, really nice moments in this series. Sometimes he's a little overzealous and attacks a little too much, but Precious is showing a lot in this series, and he's taken some minutes from Boucher in doing so. Uh, but they they just have a bunch of six eight, six nine guys that have really long arms and long legs and are rangy. This is what I thought the series would be. This It'd be too much to bother some of these guys. Uh, on the Sixers, who, you know, if they don't move the ball, they're screwed. This is and the that's, formula. That's exactly what they did. This is the formula in the NBA now because what's another team that is built the same way in that they've got a lot of guys that are that 6'5", the 6'9", rangy guys that are physical and get their arms going and make it difficult for you on defense. It sounds a lot like the Boston Celtics. It's just the Celtics are more talented overall. Mm -hmm. But this is yeah. the formula. And I, I would love to see, you know, that, that matchup myself. Um, but, I mean, kudos to, to Scotty Barnes. My God, I, I, I'm getting to watch him the most that I have all season. Uh, you know, rookie of the year, beat out Evan Mobley in a really, really tight race. But Scotty, it just seems like he is just smooth with the ball. Smooth with the ball in the half court and in the open court. Uh, he's able to make really heady plays uh, while keeping his head up. Um, looking for his teammates. He's a good cutter. Um, you know, get the jumper right a little bit, keep the handle tight, and he's going to be one hell of a player. And then you have Pascal, who has, for the last three games, even in that loss to the Sixers in game three, Pascal has looked tremendous. And it's his playmaking that's really doing it for him. He's getting to the, you know, he's getting his offensive points and whatnot, but him creating for his teammates on fast breaks, 
uh, on, you know, backdoor cuts, whatever it may be, driving and dumping or driving and kicking. That's what Pascal does. And he has been so important now that Fred Van Vliet's out because he's the one running the offense. Yes, the guy who's 6'9", six, 6'10", six, six, is running the offense as the point forward. And, you know, Scotty is as well. But this is a team that's that, that's finding a stride again. And look the hell out. If they win this game six, I'm thinking that it's probably going to lean towards Toronto. That's what I was going to say. Like, do you really think that Toronto is going to close it out? I, If they win game six, I think that there is an immense amount of pressure on Philly. Oh, yeah. The way that they downplayed it before the playoffs started, that pressure is going to mount. Oh, do you think the pressure is going to mount on, on two people in particular? James Harden. Uh-oh. Here we go again in the playoffs, James. And head coach Doc Rivers, who's given up what? Oh, I feel so bad. There's been three times teams have come back from 3-1 on him. Has that happened three times in the playoffs? I think. I think, yeah, I think so. But, I mean, this would be even 3-0. I just, I just hate that quote that he said, like, oh, it's like, how do you go out and say that you have another gear that you can reach? You're telling me you're not playing at your highest gear in the postseason? Like, come on, man. That's not right. Well, it's like, if you have, you're in the playoffs and you need to win games every time you have a chance. So how have you not hit that other gear? You're in the postseason. Close this team out because the more you let them hang around, that's more wear and tear for you guys and having to play more games. And it keeps them you know, going. Give Gives them an opportunity to hang around and to steal a series. Yeah. And that's what they've done against a young team that plays hard. We talked about this. Everybody talked about this before the series. This was Toronto's chance in that they play mm-hmm. so damn hard. And you're seeing that now, you know, come on when they've taken two games when Philly could have swept them. It's crazy. It's crazy that this is unfolding the way it is. You mentioned the Celtics. I, I want to, you know, kind of revisit that series. That's, that's one of them that's done. Um, we obviously have one more that we didn't talk about. Uh, that's still ongoing with the Warriors and Nuggets, but um, Boston just swept the Nets. Uh, it does bear interest in talking about just the way that they were able to stifle Kyrie and KD throughout the series, other than game one and game four, game one where Kyrie went off, game four where KD went off. Um, But the Celtics just found a way. They're just clicking on all cylinders, I guess. They're a machine. I mean, like, it's, it's, I don't know. I think, the way that they are vibing and that might be putting it a little too vaguely, but I, I think it's just the, the team vibes that they have the defense that they're playing Jason Tatum, just taking a ridiculous step as a superstar, just another step into being like probably getting into that, you know, top five conversation next year. Uh, as a playmaker, as his decision-making uh, gets better. They have the perfect surrounding cast for Tatum and Brown uh, who are making timely shots and and plays like Grant Williams was tremendous this series. You know, you look at uh, Al Horford and how he played for the majority of this series. 
Marcus Smart does get deserves all of his kudos um, as as an irritant on the defensive end, but also somebody who has not been afraid to take shots and is making them at a very respectable um, clip and and getting his teammates involved as well. Like it's just a, it's a total team effort. It's a total team effort. The chemistry that they have is unbelievable, and it starts on defense. You look at this team, and they switch everything and they can do that because they have so many different guys that can defend and are in that range that we talk about when you're talking about just kind of wing players between you know, Brown Tatum Grant Williams Marcus Smart even Horford uh Daniel Tice to some extent could do it as well so yeah, I mean, when he's when he's not in foul trouble <laughs> right you know so I mean you look at the way that they were able to switch on the perimeter and you know and then on offense you know, Tatum, just what he's been able to do offensively, how big they hit shots, um, especially when it comes to threes. Um, Marcus Smart, you know, as as the point guard that they always needed that finally started clicking during the season. I mean, you want to talk about a team that came together at the right time, you know, really started peaking. I mean, they're peaking right before the playoffs, and they've continued to peak. And, you know, so many people want to talk about Brooklyn you know, and them getting swept in the series, and rightfully so. I mean, there's obviously some issues on, you know, with that team and everything. But at the same time, you got to look at what Boston did, you know, in, I mean, these were tight games. They were tight, tight games. And Boston was able to, you game know, three get the four. right plays game at two. the right time, man, and just yeah. gut him out. And they, they, they put their will on these games. And they, none of these games the were decided by double digits, not a one. The, lo- no. the largest margin was seven points, and that was game two. Yeah. Even that last game, it looked like there was a stretch there where it looked like Boston was going to close it out like midway through the fourth. And it's like, all right, here they go. They're going on the run. And Brooklyn came back, and they had a chance. But, you know, you look at the plays down the stretch and what Brooklyn couldn't do, but more importantly, what Boston could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that That's a really good way to put it. I, you look at... The free throws that Cla- if Claxton hits half of those, I felt bad for that dude, man. Just I got- felt bad for him because he was playing a freaking phenomenal game. Was he was playing pain. a phenomenal game. I kept sitting there doing the math, like, okay, if they had only hit two more of those threes that they missed, and Claxton even hits three free throws, they'd only be down by two. I'm like doing the math the entire game, yeah. doing this little what if game, and I'm like, there's no going back. They missed those threes, and he's missed those free throws. I mean, he missed his first. He 10. had a phenomenal game, Brian. He just couldn't yeah. make his free throws. That's yeah. literally what it was, and it ended up being probably the difference in the game. Um, I thought Blake Griffin gave them some really professional minutes. You want to talk uh, about know. a guy huffing and puffing for two games straight when they put him in. I mean, he did well, everything he, he could. he didn't play. He didn't play. I mean, he <laughs> had no cardio. I mean, he was giving him everything he could. And, you know, and there's only so much he could do because you could see when he get, would get worn down, like they would take advantage of him on defense. But, I mean, hey, um, he tried. He did. He did. And then, you know, Kyrie didn't get going until pretty much, you know, the fourth, I guess you could say. Um, he was just kind of out there because KD was doing his thing. KD was taking every shot opportunity that came his way. KD took, which is which I can appreciate. And by the way, I love how he handled this, the way that he went to bat for Steve Nash, the way that he owned up to the Celtics being a better team. I really, really admire that. I think KD over the years has you know 
been that way. Uh, sure, he can be brash at times, but I love when he's just straight up honest like that. And those quotes really resonated with me. Uh, of course, we have the bus driver stuff that happened with, uh, you know, the barbs with with Charles Barkley and whatnot. And, you know, NBA TNT had their fun. But I'm just talking strictly about those comments after the game. I thought that Katie really owned up to it and didn't make a single excuse and talked about how the Celtics were the better team. I think that was really mature. I do, too. You know, in Boston, you know, it was the better team. And now Brooklyn has got to figure out what they're going to do. With, I mean, there's so many different questions Coming up with them, um, Kyrie status. And I mean, that was some interesting stuff too, where he was talking about like me and KD and Sean and Joe, uh, we're the ones that make all the decisions here. Meanwhile, KD's like, ah, you know, you don't put too much on me, just like you, we overstate how much we put on LeBron with LA. Um, but Kyrie was saying, like, we're the four that, you know, are managing make, this team, I believe. Yeah, managing this team. And so Kyrie sounds like he's going to stay. And I don't think there's really a chance of him leaving. It's just, what do you give him? I mean, are you going to give him a four-year max or probably going to have to? Um, but we'll see how this team, you know, comes together next year because they've got questions for this roster. Um, the biggest one probably being Ben Simmons and his status and, you know, if well, they'll need Ben because I don't know if Bruce Brown's going to be able to come back. Well, that's Bruce the other Brown's, thing. Like, Bruce Brown's going to ha- command a bag. He's going to command you know a bag. You're probably not going to have Drummond. Right. Claxton is going to demand some money. I mean, not huge, but I mean, hey, they, they could pay the Patty most. Mills. Yeah, they could pay the most tax ever for bringing back guys. And, and they need to improve this roster, too, because you look at their bench. Blake Griffin, I could see easily gone. LaMarcus Aldridge, easily gone. Uh, Drummond, like you said, easily gone. Who knows about Patty Mills? Um, I believe he has a player option as well, so I don't know if he's going to exercise that or what's going to happen there. Try to Dra- cash in. You I don't know, know if he, what he can cash in, though. He was pretty bad down the second half of the season. But. Yeah, Dragic, you got him, you know. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions, and they, they've got to improve, you know. And um, I I would expect them to probably offer Kyrie a four-year max, which is around 190 million, something like that. And people can question that, but this is the way that it goes. And his contract would more or less be lined up with KDs at that point. And it's just getting Ben Simmons, you know, out there to play and fit with this team. Um, I, I didn't think Ben was really going to play in this series and I don't know what's going on, and I don't like to take anything. I think lately. his camp or whoever leaked that information that he yeah. was going to be able to come back before Game Four completely mishandled the situation and got ahead of themselves. Yeah, that's uh, how I feel about it. I probably. don't want to comment on any of the the mental stuff. Well, that's the whole um, thing. Or it's the like back issue. Like I don't want to comment on any of that. I just think that it was a very mishandled situation. Whoever leaked that information, and you have to to definitely do a better job next time if it ever comes to that situation again, because now Ben Simmons is getting all kinds of, you know, uh, you know people are coming at him from every, whatnot, yeah. And, and well, the question yeah. I have about Ben in, in the mental stuff, I'm like, I, I'm not taking that lightly at all because we, we see this happen in, in life for, for so many different people. And I don't know if that's contributing to the back injury when it comes to stress and pressure and different things like that. And, you know, he needs to be in the right mental framework. The thing that I've always wondered about Ben, and this goes back to his college days, is does he really love basketball? Does he really have a passion for it? And I don't want to say absolutely not because 
there are some mental hurdles that he has to overcome, obviously. And and I hope he does. I want to see this guy back in the court and I want to see him playing well and I want to see him happy and healthy. But I still have that question about his passion for the game. And I'm not going to sit there and say, well, he should have just, he, if he loved the game so much, he would have been out there for game four. I'm like, I can't say that because, you know, I don't know where he is mentally. I don't know where he is physically. He says his back still hurt. Um, even, you know, Steve Nash said, I never expected him to play. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? They were down 3-0. And even if he had been out there and he had never played all year, he'd never played with these guys. I don't think it would have made a difference. Okay. And you could say, well, at least he put forth the effort. Hey, you know what? The season was over for the Nets. It was over. Mm-hmm. So we move on and we'll see what can happen, you know, next year. And I know some people have already said like, well, maybe Brooklyn needs to cash in on him while they can. I'm like, they hadn't even given him a, a chance yet when it comes to being on the court and seeing how it works with the other guys. I don't even know what they could get for him. I'm not even going to worry about that, quite honestly, because he's going to be a part of their team. And I don't think they're going to try to move him at all. They got to try to make it work. Yeah. This is what they have right now. It's just what other parts can we build around them and how much of a tax are we going to be willing to pay? And, work on that rim protection, folks. Work yeah. on that rim protection. And the other thing <laughs> that, I, that I want to see is, can we improve the offense a little bit to where we can get some guys some easier looks, hopefully, especially when it they've comes got to the KD. three-point shooters. You saw what Seth Curry yeah. did in game five and in game three, I think it was. Right. So can or we game, get game two, sorry. can we get KD the ball in some more advantageous situations? And also, too, uh, are we starting to see a slight decline in KD's game because of age and injuries? in wear and tear because I mean, he gets banged around all the time. This dude has come back from some major injuries, including a torn Achilles. He had another knee injury this past year that cost him 20 games. I mean, these things happen. They do. They do. I think that's also why, you know, the Nets, they're going to end up having, you know, their young guys play. I'm, I'm excited to see year two, Cam Thomas, Cam Thomas had a, a number of games as a rookie year that, that he just kind of went off on and, you know, did his scoring in bunches. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I don't think KD's like, you know, on the decline. He just scored 39. <laughs> you know, like right. I just think Boston had a really good defensive game plan for him. But teams are going to see that and probably try to employ that on him from now on. Well, of course. So, I mean, yeah. you play him physical, you switch on him and try to keep rough him up and try to just make it as difficult as possible and don't let him get in the paint. Yep. Let's round out the East, Bry. The Heat ended up closing out the Hawks, like I said in the intro. Victor Oladipo, just a really, really good story. Talking about how a year ago he was in a dark place, dark room, just breaking down because of where he'd been. And then one year from that point, he goes out, drops 32, gets three three boards, three steals, ends up you know, leading Miami over the Hawks when they didn't have Kyle Lowry. They didn't have Jimmy Butler. And, uh, you know, Oladipo looks like Oladipo of old. He had the burst. He had some nice, uh, you know, looking layups off the bounce. He was hitting threes. Um, looked like Vic. It looked like Vic, the one that, you know, I knew as somebody who was just electric as a player. I remember Oladipo when I was covering the Cavs and the 2017 series when Oladipo was just magnificent. Um, it really, really athletic, um, really, really solid, you know, shooter, somebody who could get you off balance. That's the Vic I remember. Um, 
that that I think was a really good sign just to see that out of him in this in this series against Miami uh, or I mean against the Hawks for Miami uh, to see him just looking like himself, I, th- I think is uh, really nice. Really cool. I was a bit surprised by the result of that game, just from the standpoint that, and while it was a close game, Atlanta to lose to Miami while they missed both Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. I, I was just a bit disappointed. I know Atlanta's had a tough year, and we'll see what they're going to do with their roster this offseason. No maybe, bogey was huge for them. Yeah, maybe give more credit to the Heat for, for being able to get that game done, you know, and saying, hey, we might be down two guys, but, um, you know, we're, we're going to take care of business right now. We're not going to let this series go any further, and uh, we're going to close them out. So give them without, all the credit in the room. Yeah, without, you know, going at Atlanta, I think this is what we've seen from the Heat all year, though, Bri. Do, do you remember when Jimmy was out? Do you remember when Bam was out? Yeah. Tyler Hero was out. Who are the guys stepping up? It was the Caleb Martins. It was the Gabe Vincents. Max Struess went from end of bench guy to a starter. This is what this team does. It's nothing new. They know how to play without their best players. And that's huge. Remember when Omer Yurtseven was averaging like 20 and 15 for seven straight games? <laughs> like... This is what this team does. They just groom winners. This is what Miami does. It's their organization. It's Spo always having these guys prepared. That's and what now, it's about. Look at the situation they're in. They're moving on. Um, they get to sit here and wait to play the winner between the Sixers and the Raptors as they battle it out. And they get to avoid the Celtics and the Bucks until the conference finals. That's a pretty good position. Sounds to be good. In. Sounds a good like a good position to me. Yeah, I'd much rather play Philly or Toronto than either of those teams. That's why you go out and get the number one seed, Bry. Yes, that's why the regular it's, season matters. It does. Hey, you, but you can sit here and say Boston. Boston had a chance to lay over and move down a seed, and they said no. We want Brooklyn. We'll face Brooklyn in the first round. We want it. And they didn't. Boy, did boy did they? But hey, they you know, flinch. I I just you know I. I hope that this is not a something that's going to plague Jimmy for the rest of the playoffs. Um, the obviously, you know, having the sore knee, it's not good. And hopefully, it's you know, it's something that he can play through coming up. It came here up. And, here's here's the thing, though. It came up at three after the three thirty injury report. So what yeah. is it? Wasn't even on the ten thirty or the three thirty. It was on the five thirty. Like that was really, really like out of nowhere where it said Jimmy wasn't going to play. Right, right knee inflammation. Probably being precautious if I'm gonna, you know, guess. Yeah, that's what I hope it is. And then you know, with Lowry, we we got to see how long until he comes back. Is he going to be ready for the beginning of the next series, or is it going to be midway through this? I I don't know. I mean, they can win without him, but obviously, they'd much rather have him on the court. I hate um, hamstring injuries, man. That, all the hamstring injuries are happening right now. That's what I'm saying, because him, Booker, Mitchell, I mean, you, you never know. Yeah, Middleton, I mean, they're scary, because you. it could take a week, it could take four weeks. And mm-hmm. you could come back thinking that you're okay, and all it takes is one play, one little twitch, and you're done. Look at, look at what happened with Harden last year. Yeah. Just one little thing at the beginning of the game, boom, done. Yeah. Playoffs are over. Scotty Barnes got lucky. Scotty Barnes was coming back from a sprained ankle. And uh, almost, uh, I think, in the second quarter of game uh, game four, 
Yeah. It looked like he rolled it over and it looked like it was done. And then the Raptors ended up, he, he ended up coming back on the floor and the Raptors ended up flooring him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the, the hamstring injuries are killing me. Uh, but the Heat, like I said, man, they, they've prepared for this. They know how to play without their best players. And I think no other team in the league knows how to play without their best players better than the Heat. And that includes the Suns. Um, just in that, in that aspect, knowing how to play without their best players. Yeah. I think the Heat have that down pat. Um, well, we're on recording other, this on, on Wednesday afternoon. So do we think the other two series we have not talked about yet because they're playing tonight? They're over tonight, I think. The Bucks and Warriors take care of business? I think so. I think so. Um, so the Bulls are going to be without Alex Caruso with a concussion. Zach Levine due to a... Uh, uh, due to the health and safety protocols, but a report that actually just came out from Joe Cowley today, uh, Zach Levine's going to have knee surgery in the off season. So mm. that's cool. Uh, when he's up for his bag. God, that poor dude. Oh God. I feel bad for, for Zach. And if he was playing through that and playing as well as he was, then that's even more of a testament to him, but maybe not the smartest long-term move. We'll see how serious the knee surgery is. Um, but He's got to definitely get that cleaned up. I mean, here we go again, man. Uh, the people that played in the Olympics, uh, Chris Middleton and Levine and Booker. It's not just the Olympics, having... though. It's you look at what the last three years have been. These compressed yeah. seasons because they played, you know, the last stretch of the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the playoffs go into, what was it, September or whatever it was. Um goes way beyond what you normally have. They come back for the next season quick, and that's a compressed season. Another short and off season, come back for this year, plus you have the Olympics. And you have to wonder, like, how much is this affecting the players? Because we've seen so many different injuries now here in the playoffs, and we had it during the season as well, the last couple of seasons. And um, injuries always happen, but this isn't just somebody diving for a play and hitting somebody's ankle or you landing on somebody's foot. I mean, these are a lot of, you know, muscular, non-contact, non-contact things, you know, and stuff. And you have to wonder how much that affects it. Sure. Sure. No, that's a really good point. Uh, Milwaukee and the Bulls, I, I don't really know how to spend too much time on this because I didn't think this it's, would be a series from the start. Right. Um, and it really hasn't, other than DeMar going off in, what was it, game two? Yeah, game two that Demar went off. And well, game game one really was a good. slog, but it was tight. But Milwaukee, you know, pulled it out in the end. And then game yeah. two, you got that effort from DeRozan. And the last two games, Milwaukee has put the hammer down. They just and, put the hammer down. You know the reason is because the Bucks have depth. They do, and well, the Bulls don't have depth. And Grayson Allen is just shooting like he's the next freaking coming of Ray Allen. And they're going to need that, especially with Chris Middleton out. And we don't know when he's going to come back, especially in a series against the Celtics, which is a team that's probably set up as good as anybody to defend Giannis because they can just try to play him physical and throw so many different bodies at him. I mean, you're not going to stop him, but you're hoping to get him into a situation where like, he doesn't have good shooting nights. You know, when sure. goes to the free throw line even more, even though he's improved there too. But it's just kind of like, you know, affect him by 10% and that can swing the series, you know? So, you know, in Milwaukee, you know, going up against the defense that Boston has, you need every offensive weapon you have available. And if you don't have Middleton, it just makes it a little bit tougher. No question. And this is when, you know, Drew Holiday steps up. He had 26 in, in Chicago. That was not a game at all. Um, 
you know, DeMar went out there and, and, and did not have, you know, his best game. I think that, you know, they're just not getting enough from their bench. They're going to, you know, now, especially with no Caruso and with no Levine. And no Lonzo need, Ball for the entire series. Right. And we don't even talk about that fact, right? Um, but they are going to need more out of Io. They're going to need more out of Kobe White. Vooch, step up to the table, please. Uh, and it's not like the Bucks won't give you open threes. They're going to give you every open three in the book. Uh, but Milwaukee, this that, is, you know, they they won the title, obviously. This is a championship team. And, I mean, they're going to take care of business, especially against a shorthanded they Chicago should. team. They I, should. I just can't imagine this series getting, you know, who who knows? I mean, weird things happen in the NBA. But um, Milwaukee seems poised to slam the door shut on this series. How big of a fan are you of Bobby Bifocals? I love it, man. <laughs> Bobby Bifocals, man. Bobby, he gets an eye abrasion in one of those games uh, and immediately comes back with a T-shirt and branding. Bobby Bifocals. Gotta love it. <laughs> the mayor of Milwaukee is now known as Bobby Bifocals. There you go. I love Bobby Portis, man. <laughs> He's great. He's great, man. He is. But, I mean, to your point with the Bucks, it's a collective effort to to kind of replicate what Middleton brings. Uh, I think you're going to get big minutes out of Pat content. He's been in this spot before, as we've seen in the finals last year. We saw that, um, him playing big minutes. Uh, Wes Matthews, another veteran who knows his way around playing defense and making some, you know, timely threes. Um, and then, of course, I mean, you have the head of the snake with Giannis. Whenever, whenever his usage goes up, I mean, you can just say goodbye because, one, his playmaking is getting better, and two – he is as dominant of a force as we've seen in I don't know how long. So anytime you have Giannis on your team, you have a chance. <laughs> yeah, uh, of course. So, I mean, he's arguably the best player in the league, and we saw what yeah. he did last year during you know the playoffs, especially mm-hmm. in the finals. He won the freaking championship scoring 50 points. He did. You know. He did. And, uh, yeah, that's probably what spells curtains for the Bulls. They're going to need more out of Vooch if they want to stay alive. They're going to definitely need a big game from Pat Williams, who did have a double-double in game four. You know, kudos to him. Uh, But they're going to just need more. DeMar can't score 120, guys. Can't score 100. Or 80. (laughs) I I don't think the Bulls are going to get to 100 in this game. Yeah, it's going to be – it'll be tough. It'll It'll be be tough tough. for them. It's going to be tougher for them than it will be for the Nuggets. And it looks like they're – going to be um it's going to be very very tough for them too it, it will uh the nuggets like i said showed some resolve the other night and they you know were definitely you know to the task like i mentioned earlier bones highland gave them a huge spark i thought boogie played a good game when boogie and bones play good games together um that's when they're at their best because that means that Nikola Jokic isn't taking 35 shots he took a healthy 21 the other night and scored 37 on them, you know? Uh, Aaron Gordon, much better that, than he played in, in Golden State uh, in his two games at home, for sure, giving them, uh, you know, definitely some much-needed supplementary scoring. I think Monte Morris has definitely um, been up to par uh, since returning home as well. They played better in the, 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 at home than they did on the road. Big surprise, right? Right. I mean, they, they could have won that game three for all intents and purposes. Uh but this is in Golden State. This is where I think the. I think this is where it, it all goes away. Like it, it's just, 
it's nothing against the the Nuggets. They fought their asses off, but it's just Golden State. It just it turns up to another level when they get to home. And now Steph is starting to really find his groove. He might be re-entering the starting lineup. I was going to ask you that. Maybe, like, maybe that gives the Nuggets a little spark, by the way, like because they'd be messing with some mojo in that case. If they put him but, in the starting lineup, who comes out of the lineup? Is it as simple as Jordan Poole or is it Looney? I would think Looney. Yeah. You'd start you'd start your second death lineup. Yeah. Probably. Right. Just come out. I mean, you can against but, with yeah, this it, with the the matchup that they have, I think you can get away with doing it. Sure. I don't think I would change a thing about this lineup right now. I wouldn't change a thing. Wait till the next series before you change it. it there's no reason to tinker. I, I don't think there's a reason to tinker. Mm-hmm. Especially with the way Jordan Poole's play this series. I know he had a, a uh, down game in Denver. But, uh, yeah, no, I would not change a thing. I, Looney, that, that's the other thing, though, too. Looney was, you know, huge to, to set the tone against Jokic. That's, the, that's what he's in there for. He doesn't play many minutes anyway. So maybe I wouldn't change the starting lineup at all until the next series. Yeah, and I think you need to do a next series against Memphis. It's a different matchup there, so you have to do that. If they that, play right? Memphis, Brian, if they play Memphis. If they play Memphis, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I'm I getting ahead of myself because, as we said before, who knows what's going to happen on that one. But yeah. Yeah, I, I think one of the great things in the series, too, is just we were wondering how healthy Steph Curry would be for the playoffs coming off his injury. And he's come back, and he's looked better and better. And I think Steph is back to full powers now. And you've got Clay, you know, (laughs) you say that. Yeah. And, you know, Clay, you know, obviously he's looked better. You know, I I still don't think it's pre-injury Clay, but we're getting there. And Jordan Poole and how well he's improved and Draymond's healthy, you know, after he had his hip injury or back injury all, you know, for that hurt him the second half of the season. So, you know, if they can get Wiggins going again after his, you know, tough second half, um, I mean, this team. I thought is Wiggs made some anybody. timely shots in that game. He before, did, though. He, and I he think, started. Yeah. He started to come out of that funk. It looked like. Well, he, he started because he, he's starting to cut. He's starting to cut, Brian. That's what. Yeah. He's, that's what he's good at. He doesn't need to be just kind of relegated into the corner. When he cuts, when he's active, he's hitting the glass. You don't that's say when he's at his. Best. When you move without the ball, good things happen, especially hmm. on this Warriors team that like makes it move like a pinball. Yeah. Like it's perfect for him. He is the perfect off-ball slasher for this team. And once he realizes that the whole time, like he did the first half of the season, the one that made him an all-star starter, then he's going to be in a good space. And then you, who the hell on, are you going to target on defense at that point? If Jordan Poole's going off, if Steph's going off, if Clay's going off, you have a guy zooming around the half court trying to get to the bucket without the ball in, in Andrew Wiggins. Who the, hell are you, who the hell are you sagging off of? Who are you double teaming? Like, what's your answer? That's that. That's not an easy question. So, no. I I think, I I think uh, Wiggins is definitely you know going to find that in this series, and he's been good. He, I mean, he's definitely been better than he was in the second half of the season. So you know, good for him. And with all that attention on Poole and Curry and Thompson, he could find himself in that situation where he is taking a lot of shots. Do you know that Golden State is now the betting favorite to win the championship? I'm not surprised. 
because like you know zooming out you're probably like oh phoenix is struggling with the pelicans even though they haven't had devin booker memphis there's reason to be concerned for them as far as a championship goes um but i think miami and boston are really really i'd say they're really on point and really dangerous as a team you never discount milwaukee so well i'm looking at the odds right now from a couple different places they all have basically around the same but it's Golden State, then Phoenix, then Boston, then Miami, then the Bucks, then the Grizzlies, then the Sixers, then the Mavericks. The Bucks at fifth odds? Yes. I would take that now. Plus 650. I would take that right now. My God. How I know. Plus playing. 650 for Milwaukee? <laughs> okay. Come the hell on. I mean, I know they're missing Chris Middleton, but come the hell on, dude. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Would, Why? Would, would you put a couple bucks on Dallas at plus 1,600? I've seen it for a round. Let me see it for another round, and then I think yeah. about it and consider. And it ain't gonna be sixteen hundred. I love point, a, yeah. and and Jalen Brunson's playing his ass off. It ain't just Luca. Like I said, Jalen Brunson's getting into that paint. Who had the, who had the story the other threes. day that said Dallas had a chance to lock up Brunson for four years and fifty five million not too long ago? Before it was sometime during last season, I think, and yep. obviously that did not happen. And now, I believe that was Tim McMahon. Yeah, and now they're yeah. going to have to give him a deal that could be four years as much as a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> I love the. It was followed by the meme. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Yeah, it's true. I mean, <laughs> look at the way that he played the postseason last year compared to this year. I mean, just turning it on, man. He was getting turning benched last the hell year. On, it's crazy. Like, very fun to watch too. Yeah. And knowing that, that that takes the pressure off of Luca, who's already as good as he is, it's, it's tough, tough offense. You got the you know hard nosed defense as well. They're, they're a tough cookie. They're a tough cookie. I don't know if it's a championship cookie. Might not be chopped chip. Could be raisin bran. But they're good. Don't know if it's championship good. But I, I think that we pretty much hit every single detail of these series. Did we not? We we didn't miss one, did we? I don't think so. How about that, Brian? Who, as you sit here right now, as we close this, who, uh, who do you think we're going to be seeing in the finals? You can change any thoughts you have from before. I'm sticking to my guns, Brian. I'm sticking to my guns. Bucks and Suns. I am tempted to change. You're tempted. Because I have the it same. It depends. It all depends on health. I get it. I get it. But if I'm, Booker I'm, comes back, Middleton's back in a couple weeks. I'm tempted to stay with Milwaukee, but go with Golden State. Tempted. All right. Okay. Golden State's just starting to look so good. They are. They look. No, they look. The Warriors Warriors. Those Warriors. I get it. Yeah. I and it's it. not I really just. Do. It's just not the offense. It's what they're doing on defense as well. Sure. Sure. No, I. I want to see Golden State and Phoenix in the conference finals. I'll tell you that much. I yes. want to see that. Very much. <laughs> I do want to see that. And but, I can't wait to see Milwaukee and Boston. Sure. No, and, and you hope that Middleton would come back at some point in that series. But yes. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. They'll have a they'll have a game plan for Giannis. They will. And that'll that'll be interesting to see unfold. But Giannis is just a little bit more built than uh KD is. Just a little. Just a little bit. So, good stuff today, Bri. 
want to remind everybody that, of course, the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com is Ticket Smarter. Looking to go to the hottest concerts, sports, theater, and family shows near you? Get 100% guaranteed tickets to more than 125,000 live events from Ticket Smarter. Once again, the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com. Order online now. Of course, keeping it 94, brought to you by the basketballnews.com podcast network. Got other great ones for you to listen to. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The Rematch with Aton Thomas. He just had uh, some great articles go up this week. One on the NCAA Transfer Portal talking to Danny Manning and Nolan Smith of Louisville. And then yesterday, one with Antonio Daniels talking about how the Pelicans are being underrated. So make sure you go read those articles now. Dishes and Dimes with the Ladies, Nothing But Bets, a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sattery. And then, of course, your boys right here at Keeping It 94, Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. You can find us on Twitter at Spin Davies and at Brian Fritz. You can also find us on Instagram at Spin Davies and at It's Brian Fritz. Don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure to check out basketballnews.com. Forgot one podcast, sorry about that, the Rex Chapman Show with Rex Chapman and Josh Hopkins. They just had BJ Armstrong of the Chicago Bulls on too, so make sure you go listen to that. Make sure you pay attention to our draft coverage. Got things kicked off at the Tampa Bay Pro Pro Combine this week. And uh, it's going really well. Alex Kennedy is on site there. Matt Babcock, Derek Murray, all of our friends on the draft team. We have our first mock draft up and live. So make sure you go check that out as well. A lot of things to check out on basketballnews.com if you can't tell already. (laughs) So do that. Uh, Make sure you listen to our podcast and uh, show the support on social media and all that jazz. Until next week, when we arrive to round two, we'll chat another time.